everybody! Woo! Yes, we having a good time, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. How you doing? And we're back. And I, we're back. We are back, baby. I'm back, baby. And how are you, Mr. Webb? Oh, wait a minute. We got to do this I right. guess we should go ahead and do Well, <laughs> we do this go right. ahead. We it's do this my right. movie, so. Hey, welcome to the Michelle Mission. Two men, one podcast. Every black film ever made. My name is Len, a.k.a. the Bat Tribble. And as always, I am joined by my partner, Hey, this is Vincent Williams. Tonight, we are back from two weeks of vacation, ladies and gentlemen. It is so great to see all of you as we are streaming live on YouTube and on Facebook. And we are bringing to you our review of Vince's selection for this stop on the Michaud mission. It is 1972's sequel to Cotton Comes to Harlem, Raymond St. Jacques, and Godfrey Cambridge return in Comeback Charleston Blue. Oh, my goodness. And we've got a couple of, uh, more surprises to, uh, to in store for you this evening, ladies and gentlemen. But we've been going for, for two, two whole weeks. Vince, how are you doing, my friend? I am fine. I am fine. It's good to be back. I missed you. Missed everybody. Missed this. Yeah. Nice and rested as we head into the fall. Did you and, do, and yourself? I'm doing very well. I'm doing very well. Thank you. Did you do anything special for your uh vacation? Or I mean, we went away. Case? Oh, you, you did know, go away? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we did go away. We went away for um a week. Went went up to Martha's Vineyard and Ooh. ate and you know, read a couple of books and rested and took a nap. So <laughs> very, very restful. <laughs> Very restful. Very nice. Very nice. Yeah, I, uh, yeah. I took, and yourself. I took to the beach of Rehoboth for very a week. nice. Uh, it was actually my first time visiting that little town. Um, oh, it was very quaint. Had nothing but good food all week long. Good company. Excellent. Excellent. Um, I did not. Surprisingly, now that I'm thinking about it, I didn't do a lot of reading. I actually didn't do a lot of reading. It was more. Just sitting and talking and playing games, uh, losing a couple, actually, to be fair. Um, And just having a a beautiful, rested time with uh, good company. So that's what I did. That's what I did. It was cool. My daughter and her best friend beat me and my nephew at spades. Oh, that's not supposed to happen, Vince. Yeah, yeah. Here's the funny thing. My daughter's best friend, I think, learned on an app that's that's what happens dog so the two well in our defense you know part of it it's a mind game Mm -hmm. so you know you can't really talk crazy to your daughter and her best friend like i usually would (laughs) that's true that's true. you know to get people to get people in their head yeah 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 yeah. you can't really do that with it was like a right (laughs) little girl and a girl like two 15 year old girls i'm talking crazy to them yeah you can't do that you can't do that well i mean you could but you'd be arrested you could but (laughs) or or you're a bad father Exactly. Exactly. Uh, the, the, the listeners and viewers are, are happy to see us back 
Um, Robert Monroe said, uh, welcome back, Lynn and Hey, Vinci. what's going on, Robert? And saying hello to the, all the missionaries and, and mad love to each and every one of you, uh, Robert and Deborah and Aaron Fry. Um, and Robert actually asked a question for later on. If they remade Cotton Comes to Harlem and Come Back Charleston Blue, who would you choose to star in it? Oh my goodness gracious. That is a Robert v- out the box. That is a very good question. That I, is a very good question. It is, and yet I already have the answer. I will save it for later in the show. And okay. it, it is the answer that I guarantee everyone will enjoy and co-sign on. Okay, I can't wait to hear that. All right. Cuz I don't have an answer. Oh, well, good. You you can you can uh, when I give mine, you will just hop along. You will hop on. Board. Well, you know what they say. You know what they say. Me and my brother know everything. It's like, oh, really? Well, what's the circumference of the Earth? Oh, that's one of the answers my brother knows. <laughs> yeah, that's, that, that's one way to handle it. <laughs> so there you go. There you go. All right. All right. Um, let's see. Is it, um. We've been away for more than a little bit, and we've got a ton of email to go to, Vince. I got something to okay. Like the, the opening portion of the show will likely be mostly listener mail. Oh, uh, okay. You didn't tell, tell me you had to scroll on the bottom. Lynn was sharing with me all the new toys <laughs> for the visual for the visual part of the show. You didn't tell me about. The ticker tape. <laughs> you need to. You need to draw. You need to punch in the noise. <laughs> like you can have a, a video of us getting like the tape out of that old timey <laughs> stock machine. The old timey stock machine. <laughs> Listener mail. Anyway, uh, the last time we we convened together, Vince, uh, we reviewed uh, BAPS. That was the movie that we reviewed. And we heard from Romero Stokes. Hey, what's up, Romero? Uh, With with info of interest. Hey, brothers, glad to see you staying safe and sensible in these trying times. I recently bought a spin bike, and I have enjoyed watching the show while getting my workout in the garage. I'd never seen... Never seen BAPS, and I'm still on the fence. I have a lot of respect for Robert Townsend, but a lot of his humor, while I get it, is still a little bland for me. I would like to see him do more mature, dramatic work, maybe a long-form series in the vein of Queen Sugar, wherein he can tell a long, intricate story, quote-unquote, with the help of other directors and writers. Okay. Anyway, stay safe and keep doing what you're doing. By the way... There is a Kickstarter for a graphic novel titled Noir is the New Black, a collection of noir yes. stories by black yes. creators. Uh, considering today's film, I thought it would be interesting to you and the fellow listeners. Peace. Yes. Our, 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 our dear friend uh, Stephen Harris, I think, is involved in that. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Mm-hmm. And I, I believe if I if I am reading my, my uh, receipts correctly, then I am a... <laughs> contributor to yeah. that and, and I have not yet and I need to on that thank you for reminding me of that well you're more than welcome uh let's see we got another email 
from uh, Shantae Williams. Hey, Shantae. Hey, fellas. I have been a short-time listener, but I like that you pinpoint those things in a film that I can't quite articulate what's not making them great. I also also enjoy the backstory I wouldn't have known otherwise. In this show, or on this show, excuse me, you were talking about the PJs. Um, Oh, the the Eddie Murphy. uh, Right, the Eddie Murphy Murphy show. Mm -hmm. And she continues, I was wondering if either of you remember the short-lived website Urban Entertainment Television. It was a website for animated shorts and films for black filmmakers to uh, shout out their work. I heard that it was bought out by a big company and then they wiped off all of the information and the the content in it. Just curious if you remember. Keep up the stellar work. I'm I'm not familiar with that. I'm I'm not familiar either. Although I do have to say that is that is a blind spot with me. A lot of the web a, a lot of the web material. Yeah, that yeah. that came out in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've talked about this before. It is in, in my mind it is a testament to Issa Rae that I was a fan of the Awkward Black Girl, mm-hmm. which was her web series because I notoriously ha- never do anything with any of that. But it, that was so good. Right. That that you know, it pulled me in. And that's because to be fair, uh, in the early days of people doing web series, I don't know if the the, the production values or the like, you know, cameras and lighting and everything like that. I don't know if the cost of that had been democratized enough that the quality standard was there. So right. A lot of web series, the 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 quality was like, eh, and you kind of well, like knew what you were buyer beware, you know. Right. Well, even with that, in in their defense, I have to say on on my end, I was just unfamiliar with the interface, mm-hmm. and I don't think it was as um as easy to access as it is now. That's true as well. Like you can watch stuff on your phone, you can right, watch right, stuff, you right. know, damn near on your watch. Like it's it's just a lot easier. You can watch it on your television if you're old school like us. True, very true. You know, with the smart TV. So, very but true. Uh, thank you, Shantae. Thank you very much. Yes. We we have another email from a, a question about BAPS from Sean Simmons. Hey, what's up, Sean? Wow, wow. Who knew that BAPS was <laughs> would bring to us this much email? Um, two things, guys, and I hope that you'll indulge me. Now that okay. I've li- I listen to most of your shows, I hate to put percentages on things like this, but I'm fairly certain around 80 to 85 percent of the shows I've listened to. Forgive me if I missed it, but I seem to catch all the Star Trek mention. But where's the <laughs> Star Wars love? Come on. Oh. Show some love for Luke, Leia, Han, <laughs> Vader and the crew. <laughs> OK, I don't know if we've ever he, he, he has more, but I'm going to stop there. I don't know if we've ever actually like said anything about Star Wars on here because yes, we are both huge Trek fans. Absolutely. Um, As a matter of fact, so much so that I'm going to stop in the middle of this point about Star Wars to ask you (laughs) to to talk about to talk about some Star Trek. (laughs) Have you seen Star Trek Lower Decks? (laughs) I have. I have. 
I have seen all three episodes. And what do you think? It is okay Ooh, as really? a show. Okay. I think it is way more interesting as an experiment. Hmm. You, you, you know, this, um, this experiment in doing something different mm -hmm. underneath Star Trek. Mm -hmm. I, I think Lower Decks is, is in, you know, obviously the, um, the Rick and Morty influence is all over it, mm -hmm. but it, but it can't get as dark no, or have as much bite as Rick and Morty. Right. Right. Because at the end of the day, it's Star Trek. Right. And it's Paramount and it's a billion dollar enterprise. <laughs> See what I did? So. So I, I I can already in the first three episodes see that tension mm -hmm. between the creators trying to do something really subversive, but then Paramount saying, "Yo, it's Star Trek. Slow down." I but see. it's all right. I, you know, I, it's all right. I, I'm enjoying it. I I think it's okay. I, I like it, and I but I also recognize that it is a show that is first foremost and possibly last for the star trek fan i don't know if you oh, are yeah. not if you are not a star trek fan i don't know how much of it you will get i, I, do, I don't think you there you'll get enough of the humor for it to just be a good show for you um i think it's well we've talked about this before and and just to bring it back to star wars i i don't think there's anything about star trek that organically brings in new fans i think star trek is 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 insular at this point mm. and if somebody gets into star trek they basically have to be introduced to it mm -hmm. by someone who's already in it into it as opposed to i think one of the things that star wars has done really really well is that there are all these great entry points okay so that if you are a kid who is, you know, four or five years old and you're flipping through the cartoon channel to even the third or fourth season of The Clone Wars. I think it's 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 a, it's enough of of a streamline, a streamlined through line that you can get into it. Yeah, but I think that that's also because Star Wars is decidedly for the most part about one family or one you know Absolutely. one lineage you know what i mean yeah. and i think that you know the biggest crime to me that star wars made was that when they finally returned with new movies that they did not take the opportunity to extend the story beyond that lineage or let's put it this way sure when the attempt was made it was immediately snapped back with the right. most recent film um right that being said i'm a star wars fan i like star wars i'm just not a right. devotee of it i i I've, I've i was never a big star wars fan originally like like when the first movies came out and when it became a thing, and, I, and you know, I've mentioned it before, in full disclosure, I've always had a, a low level of resentment towards Star Wars. Right, I remember. Because Star Wars in Jaws 
kind of put the kibosh on that <laughs> appropriately enough with what we're doing tonight with that weird 70s stuff that I love so much. Right, right. And, you know, Star Wars sort of said, okay, we're not going to let the kids run around and make movies anymore. We about to make this money. Mm-hmm. But appropriately enough, um, watching Star Wars with my daughter, like five, six years ago when she was like seven. Right. I kind of dis- I kind of rediscovered Star Wars and I said, okay, I like I got Star Wars mm-hmm. watching it with my daughter. And to go back to what I just said about Star Trek and with something like Lower Decks where you feel the tension of Paramount pulling against someone trying to do something that isn't necessarily the mandate. And even we've talked about this with Discovery. I think when Star Wars goes outside of kind of the Star Wars, the the Lucasfilm mandate, you do get interesting things. Like, I think The Mandalorian is fantastic. True. That's true. Yeah, I think The Mandalorian is absolutely fantastic. And I would love to see something similar to that with Star Trek. I Well... Yeah, I, I, I would too. I, I would argue that the plans are kind of in the work for that, but I'm not, I'm not 100% sure. Um, right. I mean, we'll see. We'll and, see. And, you know, the argument was that Lower Decks was going to do that. And, you know, it's only been three episodes. Only three episodes. Deborah Battle says that she likes Lower Decks, but it sometimes it tries too hard. Uh, Damon Williams. What's up, Day? Hey, it's my brother. I I know. Uh <laughs> <laughs> says the silence about star wars speaks volumes i couldn't agree more however the clone wars is awesome so yeah it's got love yeah, on both oh sides. Yeah. let's continue on this email uh from thank you who's that letter from from sean simmons thank you sean he he, he has one more point secondly okay. in your okay. review of baps one of those not great movies but a guilty pleasure of mine and i totally agree that holly berry was having some fun in this uh, you mentioned the name of the great Sir Ian Richardson. Can you please yes. share your thoughts of Mr. Richardson as an actor? Baps was my first awareness of him, but then I saw him in the original House of Cards series. I loved it and him in it. Have you seen that version? I highly recommend it to anyone. I don't think the Netflix series holds a candle to it. Oh, uh, you want to take that? Like, I can't point to anything specific for him. He's just a guy who I've seen show up in things. Um, right, exactly. I, especially when I'm watching more British, you know, things. Right. Like, like he's like a, a name who I've, a face who I've recognized. And right. they've come to, you know, uh, pretty much like appreciate that when he shows up, it's like, all right, well, I know he's going to be doing good work. You know what I mean? Right. Um, right. So I can't p- point to anything in particular that he's been in, but he's just, he's just like one of those, he's one of those, one of those faces who just make you feel like, okay, you know, this movie is possibly in good hands, you know, and make right. me want to sit down and, and give it a and, chance. And then the other side is I feel like I've seen him in British television. Mm-hmm. Like, like, you know how you turn to PBS and it's like 90,000 versions of the small town, the, the, of of the English village, yeah, yeah, pr- procedural, right, 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 and right. he's like in those, or you know, you fool around and catch a period piece deal, but y- you know, one of those great actors, 
Yeah. And I've not seen the original House of Cards, and I've meant to watch it for years. No, ne- neither have I, and uh, I have not meant to watch it. Um, oh. <laughs> you didn't like House of Cards? No, I loved House of Cards. I just was not that interested in... Um, the see, British one. In the British one. Uh, okay. That's all. Um I'm looking at his work right now. I mean, he's he played Sherlock Holmes back in the 80s. Uh he was in uh let's see what else did he, did he do here. He definitely was all over television and Rosencrantz and, and Guildenstern are dead. Uh mm-hmm. This guy, this guy's been all over the place. Miss uh M Butterfly. Um oh yeah, I remember that. And that's right. I I I seem to remember him his face popping up in 102 Dalmatians. <laughs> Look, man, I got a kid. I got a kid. Look, man. That's right in her that's, that was in her that, wheelhouse. That probably was that probably was a good check. You know what I mean? For real. Uh Aaron Fry says the original House of Cards was on Masterpiece Theater on PBS years ago. Oh, okay. Lynn probably turned from it. No, I didn't. Um, <laughs> we got one more. We got more emails, Vince. All right. Uh, Faith Hodge. Uh, hey, what's up, us. Faith? Okay. Um, and I, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly because uh, it's spelled F-E-I-T-H. I guess, I guess it's, that, it's that Fife? Fife Hodge, perhaps. Um, yeah, let's go with Faith. Okay. All right. All right. Vince said Faith. I'm going. All right. A movie suggestion. I okay. Ju- I just want to let you know that I am really loving your podcast. I look forward to listening to an episode every night until I am all caught up. I do have oh, a movie you, suggestion Faith. for you. The title of the film is The Landlord. Oh, I know this movie. Even yeah. though the lead character is Bo Bridges, it is definitely yeah. a black film. The Bo Bridges character buys a brownstone in a black neighborhood in Brooklyn, takes over the building in hopes of refurbishing it, but the tenants, who are all African-American, will not leave. There is a hilariously dunk, uh, drunken scene with Pearl Bailey and Lee Grant. A young Louis Gossett Jr. is in one of the lead roles. This film references black culture and deals with the issues of gentrification and interracial relationships and racism. I know you both would love it. Keep up the great work. Faith. Thank you, Faith. The Landlord has come up several times. Yes, it has. People have come, and it is one of those movies where it's like, you, you kind of try and figure out Mm-hmm. Whether or not we should, you know what I've been thinking about on and off for the past two weeks. Bring it on! Oh Lord, <laughs> bring it on! Really? Bring it on! I mean, look, I th- you've seen Bring It On, right? Have you seen Bring It On? Uh, thankfully, no. Well, see, that's and I knew you hadn't because you're talking real slick about it. <laughs> like you think it's just a dumb cheerleader movie, but it is this really really insightful examination of cultural appropriation isn't um uh gabrielle union in that film? gabrielle union yeah oh yeah start right yeah 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 and it does it seems like it's just this dumb movie but then you watch and it's like wow this this is saying something pretty important and it said it before a lot of other people said it interesting interesting yeah you know what i so watched? this is what i'm gonna say to you what do you don't say? i want you to watch it like not necessarily for this, but I want you to to go ahead and watch it. Okay, all right. I, I, yeah, I, I I will one day sit down and watch. Bring right. it on. I don't know. I don't think you could quite make it a black movie. 
but it's definitely got a lot of black stuff in it. Remember back in the early days of the, of the Michelle Mission events where there was a guest who was scheduled to come on, did not make it on um, because of something happened. Um, but the film that they wanted to watch was The Dark oh, Crystal. Oh, Dark Crystal. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> over, I remember. Over the holiday. <laughs> My friend who is who has a deep, devoted childhood love of the Dark Crystal, we saw okay. that on Netflix they had done a Dark Crystal series, which yes. made us go down a rabbit hole. Well, we've got to watch the the Dark got, Crystal. Got to watch the and and have had you seen it before? I had started to watch it before, but I I know for the, for a fact that I never finished it. And I don't think I pro- probably never made it five minutes into the movie. So this because was my it was first disturbing, and you, and you turned from it. <laughs> you said this is disturbing, and I don't want to watch this. <laughs> so I sat and watched the Dark Crystal over the right. over my vacation. Right, a and, bunch of puppets and David Bowie. Well, David Bowie. See, David Bowie's not in the movie. I thought David Bowie's in Dark Crystal. No, he's not. No, you you know what you're thinking. What am I thinking about? You're thinking of um, is it uh, Labyrinth? I'm thinking about Labyrinth. Yeah, yeah. You're thinking about Labyrinth. Yeah, no, because the Dark Crystal is all it's all Muppets. It's just all Muppets. <laughs> it's all it's all <laughs> weird, twisted, yeah. ugly. Muppet, yes. except one yeah. very strange one, the lead Muppet, who disturbingly looks like Michael Jackson. Oh, <laughs> I don't I don't think I've ever really seen Dark Crystal either, because I said, yeah, I'm not messing with this. Consider yourself lucky. Anyway, okay. I continue with the emails. We got an email from <laughs> Jen Hance. Hey, what's up, Jen? And the subject is Heidi Ho. Uh-oh, hi 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 ho uh, Exactly. Just listen to your Cab Calloway review from last year and, okay. ag- and agreed. Cab, where were you? If the Millers brothers and Lois had changed their names to Lois and the Miller brothers or the Millers, I think they would have done much better. And Lois may have even gotten some of the recognition she deserved. But the yeah, best yeah. part, was watching the movie with my 86-year-old mom who thought Cab Calloway looked like Lawrence Welk. (laughs) 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 But that's the performance that he gave. And and I do live in Arizona where his show was still aired on PBS, unironically. Thanks for all you do, guys. Jen. (laughs) Yes, yes. Now, Now, here's the funny thing. If my family is listening to this and she said they they were uh, watching Lawrence Welk unironically, mm-hmm. my family is rolling their eyes because I make them watch Lawrence Welk every single time I see it on PBS. You're, you're joking, right? Dude, Lawrence Welk. Lawrence Welk is like a National Geographic documentary. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> like the type of America... That Lawrence Welk represents is so amazingly bizarre to me mm, mm. that I cannot not watch it. 
Um, then you'll fool around and it'll be a black guy on there. Like just part of the Lawrence Walk. Like if you have you ever actually really watched Lawrence? Walk? I'm sure I did when I was a kid, but I don't. Remember. So you know, it's like it's like a variety show. It's a variety. Yeah, so, for people for people who don't have gray in their beard, Lawrence Welk show was kind of like this, like Vince said, like almost like a variety show. Right. He was a band leader. He had an orchestra. Right. Right. And he would have like, but but he would have like you know like like g-list celebrities on his show and it was there's no other way to put it it was so white very very like this sort of middle america eisenhower whiteness yeah exactly and there would be there would be dancers and there would be you know there are these women and the women would sing these songs like this mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know there you know there'd be musical numbers yeah yeah, it was it was entertainment from a bygone era. I don't know where that era was, <laughs> or a bygone era that never actually existed. Yeah, see, I don't think it did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, like like we, you know, people sort of pretended it existed. Anyway, my my daughter just texted me and said, "Yeah, we are rolling our eyes." But yeah, I'm <laughs> and Aaron Fry said, "Damn, you guys are going back to the Mitch Miller days." Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> I do. I am fascinated by that stuff. <laughs> wow. So I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's ironic or not. But when Lawrence Walk is on, oh yeah, I put the controller down, and I make the announcement. Unless somebody tells me to turn, I'm going to watch this until it goes off. See, I see Lawrence Welk won't make me stop. What will make me stop is if I turn past PBS and they have like some old like kinescope of some old television show like your show of shows the Sid Caesar show or oh yeah Milton Berle or um something like that that will make me stop because I'm a, I'm a fan of that type of that 50s 60s television so it's that makes me stop yeah yeah oh yeah oh yeah all right we got more emails to get to yes 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 but thank you Jen Jen that was Jen that was Jen Jen Hans from thank Arizona you, uh, yeah. Aziza Taylor hit us up a comment and suggested movie review. Hey, okay. hey, Lennon Vince, I still love your podcast. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> I was, I was, that still is, I know, that still is a little ominous. <laughs> very much so. I feel like I want to stop here. <laughs> next letter. I still love your podcast and can't wait for the next one to air. I've listened to the following episodes more than once. Get out. Hollywood Shuffle okay. and okay. the World, the Flesh, and the Devil. Mm. Uh-oh. Mm. Uh. Len, the Hollywood <laughs> Shuffle episode was dedicated to Helen Martin, but it was hilarious how you spent so much time talking about every actor except her. <laughs> <laughs> and how we called it Harlem Shuffle the entire episode. Pretty much. <laughs> I nearly fell out my chair on Vince's comments on Brock Peters. It's priceless. Of, on a potential movie review, would you ever consider the historical film adaptation The Last King of Scotland? I really enjoyed mm. Forrest Whitaker and think this is one of his best roles. We as black Americans spend a lot of time complaining about British actors playing us. But in this case, Forrest Whitaker and Kerry Washington portray Ugandans. Thought? Thanks again for your in-depth reviews. Aziza. Hmm. 
Well, you know, uh, I get cats out of the bag. Um, the Last King of Scotland is a film that I definitely intend to put uh, put up for our review um, this fall. Like, I got a listing okay. right now that is kind of like being worked because we got a couple of guests that we might be lining up, so it might be moving th- some things out of order. But The Last King of Scotland is definitely on that list. Um, okay. All right. I agree. Yeah, I very much think it's in our wheelhouse. Yeah. Is that an American film? That's an American film. It is it? an American film, yes. yes yeah, yeah, yeah. Very much so. Okay, we've got <laughs> we've got three more events. All right. We can make it. I was about to say we we're eating we're eating it up, Lennis. Go ahead. <laughs> um hmm. I think I read this email to you. No, I I think I read this. I think I read this email on our vacation and yes, I read it on our vacation and I was like, Oh, I can't wait to read this out on air. Okay. So, and I'm only taking the emails in order. So it's not that I don't want to end on this one. This is the email from Mike Smith. Okay. Um, Subject. This is not for black people. Oh, what's not for black people. Sadly, this podcast is not really for <laughs> black people. Oh, us! We're not for black people. Yeah. <laughs> Why aren't we for black people? Well, I'm do we cause high blood pressure? <laughs> Mike's Mike's about to tell us. Okay, it's too much licking white butt and selling oh, out black goodness. people so that white races can feel good. Trash podcast. Is he talking about us? That's what Maybe Mike he's talking Smith, about something else. Uh, Doctor Monkey Boy Junior. Uh, oh well, there you it. go. That's there it. you go. That's well. That's his email. Uh, okay. Well, we certainly can't argue with the with the Monkey Boy lineage. <laughs> I mean, Doctor Monkey Boy Senior has done so much for the race. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Sorry. One, one thing I I can I can un, I can categorically say we do not lick too much white butt on this show. Oh, oh sorry. All right, sorry. We're not for you, Mike. There you go. Oh, I guess he's not going to hear this though. <laughs> <laughs> he's listening to something blacker than us. Yes, like the Lawrence Welk show. Um, <laughs> the Lawrence Wolk, the Lawrence Wolk segment probably didn't help the yeah, argument. I was just huh? about to say that probably know, didn't help. The Lawrence Wolk part didn't help. It probably didn't help. That that didn't help. Our, our street cred <laughs> might be. You should have read that before I went to my Lawrence Wolk. Maybe I would have skipped that. At least I didn't mention how much I love the Johnny Cash show. <laughs> and your boss collection of the Glenn Campbell hour. Anyway, right, right, right. We got another email, Vince, from Andres Jones. Subject. You said Andre or Andres? Was A A N D R A S. Andres. Okay. Andres. Hey, what's up, Andres? Subject: The world is wrong about the paper boy. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, that, that's what he said. Like from it, from from the show Atlanta. I'm I'm not sure. 
hello. He's written a couple of times as a fan. And Andres has now started his own podcast. Oh, very nice. It's called The World is Wrong. My co-host Brian okay. Connolly and I celebrate films which have been done wrong by critics and audiences. Our next episode, which comes out on September 1st, is on The Paper Boys. Your discussions of what is and what isn't a black film really inform my viewing of this picture. And I'm curious if one or both of you might be interested in joining me for a call to be included on our podcast. If you check out our page oh, okay. in our intro episode, you'll see that... Uh, I give credit and recommend your show as both a trusted film resource. Thank you so much for your mission. Well, thank oh, you, okay. Andres. Thank you, Andres. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll talk. Yeah, we will talk offline. Yeah. Offline, we'll see if as, we, as can, we say. see if we yeah, can't make absolutely. that happen. Absolutely, absolutely. That sounds pretty cool. All right, uh, let's see, and we've got one more email. Okay. Uh, let me get to it and oh i'm wrong that was it that was it okay all right well thank you one and all okay we didn't even we, we didn't even talk about news and stuff we gotta get to the movie we gotta get to the uh, movie everybody watch lovecraft country if you're not watching it oh yes watch love gotta get country. that in there right but okay let's let's and, and since you brought it up, allow me, if you will, Vince, to uh, do a little plug, if you don't mind. Absolutely. If you are enjoying Lovecraft Country, ladies and gentlemen, then I invite you to tune in to uh, my other podcast home, The Black Tribbles, where you can find us on YouTube and as well as on Facebook, in our Tribble Nation Facebook group, or even on our Black Tribbles page. Every Monday at 9 p.m., we get together for the safe triple travel guide to Lovecraft country, where we review each and every episode of HBO's new series. Then there's two episodes that are up for your uh, listening pleasure. You can uh, download the show, subscribe to it as a podcast, or you can go to black Tribbles on YouTube and you can check out the two episodes that we've already done i actually think just three because we did like a an intro to lovecraft country as well um we're having a lot of fun with this show and we hopefully hope to see some of our missionaries join us um for our little travel guide to this this great show you're enjoying the show right vince uh, oh oh it's it's it has exceeded my expectations already yeah. and i had pretty high expectations yeah it's amazing it is amazing amazing show lovecraft country all right, ladies and gentlemen, we, the emails went on so long. We have to take a pause right now and get into our review. It's time for our review, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. Of Come Back, Charleston Blue. We'll be back with the film review as soon as we do something funky and have steps in it. Things have been kind of quiet for Coffin Ed Johnson and Grave Digger Jones. Except for the diplomat who moonlights. Or the nun who believes it's better to give than to receive. There's a photographer who winds up on both ends of the shooting. And a junkie who'll do anything to go to jail. You gotta arrest me, man. I stole that wheel. But their biggest problem is a very lively corpse 
Dane Charleston Blue. He came back from the dead. This time, the situation looks great. Come back, Charleston Blue, rated PG. Come back, Charleston Blue, a 1972 <laughs> comedy film starring Godfrey Cambridge and Raymond St. Jock, loosely based on Chester Imes' novel The Heat Is On, or excuse me, The Heat's On, and a That's sequel right. to the 1970 film Cotton Comes to Harlem. Uh, our two actors return as Coffin Ed Johnson and Grave Digger Jones, confounded by a string of strange murders in Harlem, New York. Uh, and are dead set to figure out who is causing a bizarre series of murders and leaving the calling card of a blue steel straight razor which was the calling card of the legendary gangster of the early 20th century charleston blue this film was vince's selection for this stop on the michelle mission vince what say you of comeback charleston blue well, as you said, this is a, a, a film loosely based on the novel by Chester Himes. We mentioned it before we went to break, uh, w before we went on vacation, that there have been three adaptations of Chester Himes' books. The there, there was Cotton Comes to Harlem, which is the direct antecedent of this film. And then in the 90s, there was A Rage in Harlem. And I, I was listening to our review of Cotton Comes to Harlem, mm -hmm. since this is a direct sequel to it, to kind of give me a, a, a reference point to, to start from. Because the other thing that you'll remember if you listen is that I mentioned I couldn't quite remember what this film was about. Like, I knew I had seen it. I, I knew it was a sequel to Cotton Comes to Harlem. Uh, I, I, I mentioned that I spent years looking for a copy of the score and soundtrack by Donny Hathaway, who will certainly talk about Donny Hathaway as, as well in his involvement. And I think this is a film with some nice pieces to it mm -hmm. here and there. But as a film, the the plot is 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 sort of soft, mm. you know, almost ethereal. Like 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 you, you talked about the 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 mystery, and it's it's not even a mystery that someone is leaving the calling card of this 1930s gangster, Charleston Blue, right? And and it's a mystery that's resolved fairly quickly. That one of the characters has taken his switchblades, I mean his straight razors, and is using this as an affectation, and perhaps is is trying to get across the illusion that Charleston Blue is back, although no one really believes it. Yeah, you know from the very beginning that Charleston Blue has ever come back. So it's a bit of 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 a plot point that ultimately doesn't have a whole lot of point mm -hmm. to it. Mm -hmm. the 
the other plot that perhaps is more important is this Charleston Blue character is 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 stealing from the mob, right? And the mob controls drugs and the drugs coming to Harlem and he, this this character Joe and his organization they're stealing drugs from the mob to basically set up their own shop. And that's the plot, but but it's a plot that does not come together that solidly or that quickly, like either part of the plot. And that ultimately reflects in the lack of a real framework right. that this film has. Yeah. I, I think I think the, the, the great thing about Cotton Comes to Harlem is that they set up the MacGuffin fairly quickly. Mm-hmm. There's this missing money. Everybody's after the money. Right. And that's the plot. Right. So that every scene in the film revolves around this search for the money. Mm-hmm. Whereas in Comeback Charleston Blue, there's never a solid through line. Right. To go along with that, as much as I love Raymond St. Jock, as much as I love Godfrey Cambridge, they are almost supporting actors in their own movie. Right. Exactly. You, you know, there there are whole scenes, you know, whole sections of this film that they're not in. Right. And without them in it, it 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 it, it again it's it's this very kind of loose collection of scenes mm-hmm. the final part that i will compare this to um cotton comes to harlem and this is something that if you listen to um the cotton comes to harlem one thing you and i both agreed is that calvin lockhart who plays the antagonist steals the movie yes like yes. it's his movie right and he is such a charismatic force that he carries the movie almost on his shoulders. Exactly. Peter Deander, who plays Joe, who's the bad guy, mm-hmm. just does not have the presence. He's not that great of an actor. Nope. So, so that when you take Coffin Ed and Gravedigger Jones out of the real protagonist role. And then when you have an antagonist who's not really that strong, the whole film just sort of drifts away if you don't look directly at it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Having said that, there there are pieces of this film that I like. I, I think much like with Cotton Comes to Harlem and A Rage in Harlem. This film reflects my favorite part of Chester Himes' work, and that is this really kind of specific depiction of Harlem, that this is an actual place where things, you know, there there are people there, there these are buildings, there are, you, you know, not quite set pieces, but settings, like the first scene is this almost cotillion, where you have all these beautiful black people oh, in yeah, formal yeah, yeah. gear, right, you have, right. you, you know, something like, you know, you have black bars, you have a black um, toy stores, you, you know, the, the, the black militant presence isn't as heavy as it was in Cotton Comes to Harlem, but it's there. So you get this nice sense of place. Yeah, Harlem is almost like a a universe, a city into itself within New York. It's like 
it's like a city into itself and this story just takes place in this city right um as much as Raymond St. Jock and and Godfrey Cambridge aren't really in the foreground I still like them Mm-hmm. Like, I still like them. I wish there was more of them, but I still like them. And for all the time that we spend with someone like Peter Deander, there are these other people right on the periphery right. that I also have fondness for. Minnie Gentry, who we've talked about several times in this show, plays Madam, who is uh, Charleston Blue's widow. Right. Well, I think her name, the character name is Her Majesty. but I'm but... Her Majesty. I'm right. sorry. Yeah. And and Minnie Gentry is just a delight. Mm-hmm. Minnie Gentry is just a delight. There are there are two or three moments where Godfrey Cambridge shares a scene with her. Yeah, and they have tea together. You know because he's he's a detective, mm-hmm. so he's trying to interview her, and and they have tea together. And you know what, Lynn, I could have spent forty five minutes watching the two of them have tea. Okay, you know just talking. Right. Because it's Godfrey Cambridge and he's effortlessly charming. He is. It's Minnie Gentry and she's like this wonderful older presence. Mm -hmm. And it's just this, it's funny we were talking about PBS before we started. But it is like this very genteel moment Mm -hmm. with the two of them. Mm -hmm. Where they're just sort of talking. And I love that. Um, One of my favorite little character actors, uh, Percy Rodriguez. Oh, he yeah. plays the new black captain. Yeah, yeah. He says something that kind of kind of made me go, oh my goodness, I wish they would just stay with this. Where he's the new captain mm-hmm. of this Harlem precinct. And he's a black, he's a black man, but he comes from like Staten Island. He's had a quiet career. He sort of did everything he's supposed to do. He's got he's two years left. He got two years left. Mm-hmm. And he tells Coffin Ed and Gravedigger Jones, look. I know y'all had these white captains and they're intimidated by y'all. But I'm 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 not trying to hear this noise from y'all. That's right. Because I'm black too. That's right. So don't even try it with me. And I said, well, this is an interesting dynamic. Mm-hmm. And then they don't do anything with it, really. No, they don't. You, you know, that just sort of goes away. But but the moments that they have, I like that, you know, I like him. I love the pulpiness of this like like that's another thing that if you read any chester himes there's this kind of pulpiness to it where you know there's there's a little person who's a break-in guy with a tall guy yeah yeah there's a character who you know has the unfortunate name in the script as drag queen yeah where you know he just wears nun outfits and santa claus outfits and women's clothing and 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 arguably it doesn't age well Mm mm-hmm but I love that seeminess, like, like again, that kind of pulpiness to it, where you can imagine reading a, a $15 pulp novel and you kind of bend it up and put it in your back pocket. Right. You, you know, he had on a nun outfit and he pulled out a machine gun and gunned down everybody. <laughs> and then there is Donny Hathaway. And and this is a film that Donny Hathaway wrote the score in the soundtrack. And I have to say, it's not in the film that noticeably for most of the film. That's true. But Very there true. are moments, and there are two moments in particular. There's a sequence in the morning, mm-hmm. and there's a song playing called Harlem Dawn that I actually kind of went, because <gasps> it was so beautiful. Mm-hmm. 
doesn't have anything to do with the film. It has nothing to do with the plot. It's it's just sort of again talking about setting. You know, this is Harlem. Yeah, and it's just so setting it the table. Har- it was just Harlem coming alive in the morning with this beautiful Donny Hathaway behind it. Yes. And it was like this jewel in the middle of this, you know, frankly mediocre film. Mm-hmm. There's another moment like that. There's a recurring character named Tim who's a drug addict. Yeah. And part of the plot is that there aren't any drugs because, again, the gangster imitating Charleston Blue is is inter- is intercepting all of the drugs. Mm-hmm. But then Tim finally scores. Yeah. And Tim gets high. And for about a minute, Tim walks down the street high. And there's this, well, appropriately enough, the song is, the the orchestral piece is called Tim is High. Mm -hmm. But it's this beautiful Donny Hathaway composition that's behind it that Mark Warren, who's the director, who I don't think really does any great work here. No, no. But he really captures the euphoria Mm -hmm. that Tim is feeling. And that's another moment that I thought was really, really nice in the midst of a film that is, you know, it's not really a whole lot there at the end of the day. So that, you, you know, I have to say, I'm not sure where I ultimately land with Comeback Charleston Blue. Like, like I'm going to listen to you a little bit and then, you, you know, bounce off of you. But like right now, I'm not sure whether or not I recommend this film. Well, I will. I'll, I'm going to go back to two things that you brought up. But the, the, the most recent thing was about this the scene with Tim. Tim is high. And your point about the director, Mark Warren, and how he smartly and I guess along with the cinematographer locks the camera in place so that you can just feel Tim walking up the street um euphoric over over scoring and then donny hathaway's piece which is beautiful in its orchestration but is also matching in the hauntedness of its tone with how tim is is going on because because as tim is walking is is walking up He's not stumbling. He's not like, even though he's clearly a junkie, but he's right. not stumbling all over the place. He's not, you know, have any type of drools, any type of stereotypical look of of a of a drunkard. He actually almost looks like he almost. You know what he almost looks like? He almost looks like he's in a Spike Lee movie. You know, Spike Lee's trick about getting people on a dolly. And then having the right. background move, he um, it almost looks like a scene like that. Only it is, in fact, Tim just walking, just you know, enjoying his high. And I think all of the elements come together in that scene to create just this haunting image that in this film where there is not much going on in this film. There's not much to recommend the film, except if you're um, a fan of the chemistry of Raymond St. Jock and Godfrey Cambridge. In this film, that they actually, like you said, take a whole minute, which is a long time in a film, to be locked in on one scene that has no dialogue. That is only of a person walking and just music playing um, and is not one of the lead characters. So for them to 
realize what they had in the camera and keep that as part of this film is really strong. Is really strong, and it, it, it is an amazing scene. And the other one thing I want to go back to is the the drag guy or whatever the ca- the character's name is. And you're right. There's elements of it that don't age well because without it being said, he is clearly a more, let's say effeminate type of guy. Um, right. They don't ever come on the nose and say that, say whether or not he is gay or not, but he definitely is, you know, he, he definitely is of a type. Let's put it that way. Right. Uh, right. But but with that being said, one, I also I appreciate that for the most part, it's not talked about in the film. It just is what it is. And then when he is referenced and you get a little glimpse of his backstory, his backstory is that he was a soldier from Vietnam who. Yeah actually you know which means that you know if nothing else you got to give him some praise for his service um and who the uh johnny that's that's the 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 lead antagonist guy named right johnny right um who wait i thought it was joe joe you're right joe yeah yeah joe Mm yeah joe uh who joe befriended in vietnam and now they're they're just cool like that you know what i mean right so Without it being said, that's that kind of relationship speaks volume. It speaks volume of you know what happens when you're in the military because you just because become brothers in green despite from where you came from, um, and it also speaks to a level of maturity in this film in that this guy is what he is, but it never is called upon. He's he's never really joked at about it i think there's maybe one or two kind of like slide lines that come that come through but they're definitely told under your breath you know right um it's it's certainly not played upon as bigger parts of the dialogue the main dialogue so i think that that is very refreshing for a film in 1972 a black film so i'm going to i'm going to rep for that i'm also going to rep for chester himes himself and his creation of the characters of Gravedigger Jones and and Coffin Coffin Ed Johnson that, that is his name mm-hmm. right um th- their role in this film reminded me of some of the more classic tales and this is going to get, go, going to our old man comic book bag of Will Eisner's The Spirit who right. was a detective uh, in his comic book stories, but in most of the best spirit stories, he's just this periphery character. While right, uh, right. while the crime is th- the story is more about the people who are committing the crimes or the victims of the crime and all of that, and the the spirit is more or less just there to come put the handcuffs on at the end. And for the most part, that's what Gravedigger and Coffin do in this film. You know, you see them do some loose detective work, but they're really just waiting to lock on the the handcuffs on somebody. So, which is fine when you, like you said, in Cotton Comes to Harlem, when you got Calvin Lockhart on the other side, who is maybe the most charismatic charismatic man of the 1970s who right who could carry right. three films on his right shoulder that's how bad right. that boy is 
But in this film, there's absolutely nothing happening on the other side, acting wise, um, look wise. There and the story, I think, is so overstuffed with plot that it it loses itself. You know, you, they introduce the MacGuffin of this movie, which is all about the uh, the blue straight razor that Charleston Blue uses and you see it show up once or twice but then there's a good solid 30 minutes of this film where yeah. you totally forget about it and right, it, right. I, I, I swear to you I am almost certain that it only shows up at the end because they remembered oh damn we got right. we got to settle we, we, up with the with we got to resolve this Charleston Blue business <laughs> exactly right. man I mean so um, it, it's, this, it's just too much stuff going on you know you've got the girl Carol who is the who, for some strange reason, is the niece of the mobster, uh, right? Uh, right. Casper Jones, who yeah. is who is the mafia, uh, you know, bagman more or less in Harlem. Yeah, you know, right. It, it, and no, you you just don't care about any of this stuff. You don't right. care, and. The only saving grace is that every once in a while, Godfrey Cambridge is asked to go into his bag of tricks and, you know, pretend to be somebody else, um, put on a fake accent and kind of maybe be funny and save the scene. And you give Raymond St. Jacques a couple of a couple of moments to kind of like get a scowl on. Um, (laughs) Right, right. That's his deal. That's he real angry all the time. Yeah. But but outside of that, there's really no kind of like, you know separation between the two characters really right um right you don't Yo, absolutely you don't get enough scenery with with the two of them together just 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 chilling you know um and yeah. you uh you also don't get enough of donny hathaway you mentioned harlem dawn you mentioned right. tim is high and the 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 title track only comes up on over the closing credits um, right, and then everything else is like it, it, it's nothing, you know. And, and there definitely are some beats that you know are not um, Donny Hathaway. They're kind of like more like stock music used in a couple of a couple of scenes. Um, so it, it, there's just nothing happening here. And then the, the the big the biggest crime is is that Cotton Comes to Harlem was a funny film, but it was first and foremost a cop movie right yes it was a crime movie it knew what it was and these characters were allowed to you know embody this film and in the the creation of those characters that's where the humor came came from this film doesn't know what it wants to be it doesn't know whether or not it wants to be a cop film, a crime film, or a comedy. So you've got three forces going up against itself, and nothing comes out on top. Absolutely nothing yeah. comes out top. Until uh, when it looks like it's kind of like reaching like a a serious point, and it might be um, heading to like oh man, like some real drama because the girl Carol gets like. Uh, caught up and she realizes like oh my god i was you know i was i'm on the wrong side of history here um but she makes a dramatic getaway and there's a dramatic scene of them running through the streets shout out to the the filming on location in harlem but then it it devolves dissolves yeah or devolves into into a 
a Three Stooges movie. And yeah, I'm yeah. a sucker for a Three Stooges movie, but they didn't belong here. <laughs> it comes out of nowhere. Right. It comes out of nowhere. And and we, we mentioned this uh, when we talked about Cotton Comes to Harlem. Ozzie Davis directed Cotton Comes to Harlem. Right. And he fell out with the producers about this film because they wanted it to be more serious. Mm. And he thought that the tone should have been a little lighter, Mm -hmm. like it was in Cotton Comes to Harlem. And I I actually, and I said it before, I'll say it again. I think a Chester Himes film should be serious. Like, again, I think there are pulpy elements that kind of, you know, have a touch of the fantastical. Like, we haven't even mentioned that the implication is that Charleston Blue actually comes back at the end right right as a ghost right which i don't mind i actually like that kind of light touch mm-hmm. but this kind of screwball people rolling around just came out of nowhere and and was you, you know like you said it it kind of goes along with the uh, with the overall the overarching theme that people didn't quite know what they wanted to do with this yeah yeah, and and it it is a a shame um, because Raymond St. Jock, a name who has come up on this on the mission a lot, he's a man who did a lot of television work, um, a lot uh, and and some film work, uh, but in these films was an opportunity for him, an actor of some renown, to stake out his claim for some for like a, a role that he could maybe like sink his teeth into and yeah. and maybe milk for uh, a couple of more films. You know what I mean? Well, well, th- th- this material is so rich. Yeah. This Chester Himes material is so rich. And, and to circle back to, to our referencing Lovecraft country, this, it, there could completely be a television show, mm-hmm. a Gravedigger Jones, Coffin, Ed Johnson series. And if you adapt the novels, that'll give you five or six seasons. Yep. You know, just, I mean, even this, you have one storyline about this heroine and taking over the um, the drug trade in Harlem. Mm-hmm. You have a whole separate storyline about the mystery of Charleston Blue. Right, right. Like, that's enough to carry a whole movie. Absolutely. And and you do, you get the sense that nobody really knew what to, you, you know, it's, I think it was a hard fit. You know, they take these novels you, you from so? the, you know, the, I, you know I, I forget when The Heat Zone was published, but you know, the 50s or 60s, mm-hmm. you kind of put it in this lens through this um, black exploitation prism. And it's, it's just an odd fit. You know, it's just an odd fit. Yeah. And it's a shame. You know, it's a real shame. But like I said, there are pieces of it that I like. Well, I'm glad you found pieces that you like. I I honestly, as I was watching it, I I found myself kind of like rooting for scenes. But ultimately, I just, just... I mean, like, there are... There are scenes that take place at a graveyard, which I think are legitimately beautifully filmed. Um, yes. But I just don't think that there's really enough done 
um, to pull it all together. And ultimately, I think that this is just a a fa- a failure and a, and a film that I just did not have a a good time with. Except except that being introduced because I had not seen the film, being introduced to Donny Hathaway's work on this film made me go down the Donny Hathaway rabbit hole. Now, I Oh my goodness. I know you are a huge fan of Donny Hathaway. I I, I really am. And, I really am. And I'm a fan of his work as well and if you don't think that you are a fan of Donny Hathaway uh listeners, you are because everybody loves This Christmas, which is yes. it probably his <laughs> most famous um right song um but we've argued about this before the blackest christmas song ever made perhaps uh duh <laughs> yes yeah. yes um uh, but everybody knows all of his other with the ghetto um someday we'll all be free little ghetto boy uh his fabulous uh duets that he did with uh roberta flack the closer i get to you absolutely where is the love and of course his his version which I did not know was not the uh, original version of a song for you. Um, yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. It's actually, uh, yeah. I believe, Leon Russell. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, speaking of 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 covers in this, what I always say about Donny Hathaway is is that you, you know we we kind of talk about this concept of black joy. Mm-hmm. And and I feel like black joy is is linked with sort of black pain. Mm. And I feel like Donny Hathaway encompasses both sides of it. Oh, isn't that isn't that like so true? Like everything. And and like in, in my mind, like the, the, the most like the purest embodiment of just black joy in a song to me. He has a version of um, You've Got a Friend, the great Carol King song off of Donny Hathaway live. Mm-hmm. And and it's this beautiful moment that they capture. So it's Donny Hathaway live recorded it over two nights or or it's 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 recording of two nights. Once it's at the Troubadour and once it's at and I forget the name of the other club. But but the important thing is I think the Troubadour holds 500 people. Mm-hmm. And the other club that they taped at holds like 200 people. Mm-hmm. So these were fairly small crowds. Right. And if you don't know, Donny Hathaway did not get, have a whole lot of commercial success when he was alive. Yeah. Like the hip kids knew about Donny Hathaway, but Donny Hathaway was never like Roberta Flack. No. I mean, or, or Aretha Franklin. So, you know, people knew about him, but he starts singing, you've got a friend and you got a friend. Um, cracks me up because you know it's this great carol king song and if you read about it she actually wrote it in response to james taylor james taylor yeah james taylor in in fire and rain there's a line in there where he says that you don't have any friends and then she says well you do have a friend and it's this beautiful sort of you you know this sort of um ballad of friendship between these two people Mm -hmm. but what cracks me up about the song is that when black people sing it they sing about jesus (laughs) so like you listen to aretha franklin sing it and black people sing it and the friend that they're talking about is jesus 
this is important <laughs> because Donny Hathaway starts singing the song and almost immediately the crowd starts singing it. Mm-hmm. And Donny Hathaway backs out of the song and he basically becomes a choir director. Wow. And the crowd has become a choir. And he sings like, um, you, you, you know, he's singing background for the crowd mm-hmm. and, and, and he's directing them. And there's this wonderful moment towards the end where this whole crowd is singing, you've got a friend mm-hmm. and he's accompanying the crowd mm-hmm. where he says, that feels real good, don't it? And it's just this beautiful moment. Wow. And to me, like, that's everything that is Donny Hathaway. And, 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 you, you know, as I mentioned, we're old enough that like, like you said, the box set came out a couple of years ago. We're old enough to remember where like all the Donny Hathaway stuff wasn't available. So, like I said, I was trying to hunt down a copy of Comeback Charleston Blue because I was just fiending for Donny Hathaway. So if nothing else, <laughs> Go ahead and get all the Donny Hathaway you can if you don't have it already. That's right. Uh, get yourself some Donny Hathaway, ladies and gentlemen. You will not be um, sorry. But, Vince, we're here to review Comeback yes. Charleston Blue. But we are here to review Ch- Comeback Charleston so Blue. So while you're recommending people go out to and, and swap up, uh, cop up everything Donny Hathaway, would you recommend them to go and see Comeback Charleston Blue? Yeah, unfortunately, I'm gonna say I'm not. Ooh, really? I'm not. Yeah, I don't. I don't think. I, I don't think there's enough of the good to justify the mediocre. Mm. So I'm ultimately going to say no. I do not. And you? Yeah. Well, uh, that's that's um, that's definitely a no for me. Um, I cannot recommend that you watch um come come back charleston blue i just yeah yeah don't 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 do it it's it's not a bad okay. film it's not a right. bad film but there are better ways to spend your time there are better ways to spend your time so yeah there you go there you go all right so before we tell you what we're going to be watching next week ladies and gentlemen uh i invite you all to send all of your emails and feedback email us at michellemission at gmail.com send us your feedback hit us up on all the social medias and follow us there on instagram facebook twitter join the facebook group the michelle mission um because we have a lot of fun talking to all of our missionaries thanks to each and every one of you who who are watching us on youtube um, where you can subscribe to the michelle mission uh check out our, our show shout out to our social media uh expert extraordinaire toya haynes who has been holding down the fort while we've been away with some very fun quizzes and yeah and what's trivia. good toya that she's been put, putting out there. Check out her podcast, uh, The First Time I Heard. Uh, you can look for that wherever podcasts are, are uh, wherever you find podcasts. Where you find a show mission, you'll find The First Time I Heard. There you go. So look it there up. There you go. It's, and, and, and it's dope. I think she's got a new episode. I don't think it's going up yet uh, about the first time she heard LL Cool J. Oh. Pretty cool. 
pretty cool. Um, also, if you want to help out the Michaud Mission, you can go to themichaudmission.com, hit swag, and buy some of our funky t-shirts and things and hoodies because fall is coming. You know, so we've got hoodies there, ladies and gentlemen, that you can uh, all right. You know, get all nice and snugly with the Michaud Mission, and we actually do have new designs uh, coming up. I'm just putting the finishing touches on them, um, but we've got some new designs coming out. <coughs> as well um and let's see oh and and robert monroe i haven't forgotten about the question about uh the question about yes. who should play who, right I who should play them now i haven't forgotten i haven't gotten I'm, I'm getting there i'm getting there the michelle mission right. is available as a radio show every saturday at 1 p.m on wppm 106.5 fm Philly Cam, people-powered media here in the city of brotherly love and sisterly affection. And you can wake up with the Michelle Mission every Monday at 9 a.m. on WKDU 91.7 FM, the voice of Drexel University. The Michelle Mission is also available as a proud member of the Podglomerate Podcast Network, the Podglomerate Curated Podcast, just for your listening pleasure. All right. If they were to do a remake of Cotton Comes to Harlem and come back Charleston Blue, which means they would have to change the script. Yes. <laughs> Who would I see as taking on the roles of Coffin Ed Johnson and Gravedigger Jones? Why, it would be the reunion of the two actors that Black Hollywood has been waiting to return to a film together and it's not the movie that you've been wanting for but it's the very close second that i think you will find hard to ignore and that is denzel washington and don Cheadle. yeah yeah as coffin ed johnson and grave digger jones you could take your pick who plays who right who plays who hey, for no yeah for nothing i wouldn't mind seeing uh Denzel do Gravedigger and thus have a little bit more of a comedic bent to him because that's Godfrey Cambridge's uh, character. So okay, so uh, that would be my call. Um, okay, but that that that's who I would see in a remake of these films. What do you say, Vince? Um, Viola Davis and CCH Pounder. Ah, oh, you son of a bitch! <laughs> Boom. You son of a bitch. How you like that? You son of a bitch. Oh, uh-huh. Okay. Now, now, now you can't not see it. No, 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 no. I'm going to do you better. Because okay. as much as I love CCH Pounder, and I love her, but I think she's probably a little bit too old. So. Interesting. I'll give you Viola Davis. Okay. Swap out CCH Pounder. Bring in Jennifer Lewis. Oh, that's nice too. That's that's also nice. That's also nice because you know who I would have swapped out if you would. Because I, what I thought you were going to say is C H C H Pounder isn't that funny. Oh no, like I, that. that I've but seen I, th I no, I think she's funny. Yeah, I don't know if she's that funny. Right, right. You know what? I actually would like to see Viola Davis and Octavia Spencer do something else together. You know what? There you go. There you see that. Now yeah. we're talking. Now yeah. we're talking like like I think the the help stink is on them. Mm -hmm. So they don't want to. It's sort of like um here's something you want to talk about rabbit holes. 
Lynn, can I just tell you, I spent like a half hour reading about Millie Vanilli the other day. <laughs> like rereading the entire saga. Like the I read I read about the entire Millie Vanilli saga. Wow. But it's pertinent to this because after everything, you know, because I think they were actually boys. Yeah, they were friends. Yeah. But when it all went down, they couldn't be friends anymore because they said we like we couldn't go places That's together right. because right. we were Millie Vanilli when we were together. Mm hmm. So I think the problem with Viola Davis and Octavia Spencer is that like we, when you see them together, you think about the help. Yeah. Yeah. And nobody wants to think about the help. You're right. You're right. So, so this, this would be, th they would do this for us. Like this one for you. Right. Exactly. Oh, I exactly. like that. I like that. See, yeah. I like it. And uh, see, now I'm, all right. See, now we're writing the movie because, right. because Octavia Spencer would be great as Gravedigger Jones. She would. I mean, but, to yeah. be, but to be fair, I think Viola Davis would be good as Gravedigger Jones as well. Viola Davis. Oh, I don't know. Viola she Davis. Gets, she, she has. She can be funny. There's this film. Oh no no no! Gravedigger Jones is. Um, I thought Gravedigger Godfrey Cambridge. Yeah, yeah. I like Viola Davis as Coffin Ed because I like angry Viola Davis. Yeah, see, but I think that's too easy for Viola Davis. I mean, everything is easy for Viola Davis. True, but but Viola Davis literally has the hardest walk in 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 the world. Like, if you ever watch the yeah. woman walk, she walks hard. I mean, like she she her walk is no joke. So it's easy for her to be mean, you know what right, I mean? Right, right. But for but have her be the funny one. Have her be the funny one. Yeah. I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. She could do both. I don't care. Right, I right, see, right. So, but here's the challenge. Set the still have them be the detectives. But set, set the film in the 70s. Oh, we'll see. Yeah, now that's tricky. Well, if you really that's want tricky. really tricky. If, if you really want tricky, you said it when the when the when the books were written were in the 50s and 60s. But right, well now that's just impossible. Right, it's impossible because they they just yeah. wouldn't have been allowed to be cops. So you said right. it in the 6 70s when they could at least be right right. So now now we have to find out were there black female detectives in the 70s? I'm sure there were. And would they would they have partnered them with each other? Don't you remember get Christy Love? Get Christy Love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. And she was a detective. Yes. And Cleopatra Jones was a special agent, which, oh my God, I don't believe we spent an hour and 24 <laughs> minutes and didn't talk about Tamara Dobson in this. Why is Tamara Dobson in this? For two scenes. And one of the scenes, she shoots a bow and arrow at somebody. <laughs> And I said, yeah, Tamara Dobson shooting a bow and arrow at somebody. This tracks, actually. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah she, she, she didn't this actually makes sense. <laughs> I think we didn't. I think if you really slow down her scene of her shooting that arrow, you'll realize why we didn't talk about her shooting <laughs> the arrow. <laughs> and you know, she told Mark Warren, no, I'm not shooting a gun. I want a bow and arrow. <laughs> yes, Miss Dobson. 
Exactly. Exactly. He's wearing a dress. He's got on a blue fur. I'm going to shoot a bow and arrow. Stop me. <laughs> right. All right. All right. Oh, that was fun. All right. So it's time. Yeah, you're up. <laughs> We're going to leave on Tamara Dobson shooting a bow and arrow. <laughs> oh, I dropped. Oh, I knocked down Michonne. <laughs> See? I knocked Michonne down. Oh, yes. It's Michonne, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, boy. Michonne is actually sp- a spattered, uh, splatter in blood that glows in the dark. Yeah, very nice. My daughter gave me her. Now, now, does she come with two zombies? Yes. Yeah. There's a. Yeah, I only see the one in the corner. Okay. Well, don't move nothing. Okay. All right. <laughs> I say, don't knock nothing over. Come on, let's wrap this up. <laughs> now we've moved to Vincent Leonard just talking. <laughs> Aaron Fry said Viola Davis and Octavia Spencer in a reboot of the In Laws. Oh, that would be great. Oh, I love that movie. Yeah, oh yeah. I love that movie. Oh yeah. I absolutely love that movie. All right. Okay, so it's my turn. It is my time. It is your turn. Yes. <laughs> okay, so I was going to get serious for September, but to be honest, okay. but to be honest, our um vacation kind of like snuck up on us. So I didn't get a chance to go through all of the films that I wanted to do for okay for august so i had one left over and i was like well do i keep this in my pocket and and get into the, my serious bag because it will be september 1st or do i still do this film and i landed on i'm still going to do this do this film and i i'm doing it for two reasons one because it's a film that is still a very good film and a film that is worth revisiting and and having an uh you know a dissertation a conversation about um and two because the guest that we had that I had lined up for la- for next week um is still on the fence about exactly what film they want to re- review so they asked to wait till the 15th so I'm like okay so <laughs> here we go so next week all right here on the Michaud mission, we will be journeying back into the four colored world of animation. As oh my goodness, we review here we go Disney's The Princess oh. and the Frog. Oh my goodness, my daughter is going to be so happy when she hears this. <laughs> yeah. So, our Princess right. of the Frog. There you go. Princess and the Frog. A film I have never seen. Interesting. That is, I'm, I'm very interested in you watching it after some of the conversations we've been having about black representation. Yeah. And I'll just leave it there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. All right. So, the Princess and the Frog Who, next week. Hey, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, hey, Lynn. Yes. Hey, Lynn. Yes. Who's that film star? Do you know who the film stars? 
Uh, Who's the star of that film? Wouldn't that be the princess? Uh huh. And, and and who plays the princess? Who gives voice to the princess? Vince, is that? What yeah, 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 yeah. Who gives voice to the princess? Do I, you know? I think she has three names. If I remember, she does indeed. She needs three names. Okay. Um, hmm. I think it starts with an A. Um, mm, yes, yes, sir. <laughs> would that be? She's first. Anika Noni Rose. Anika Noni Rose. Yes, mm. sir. Mm. Well. Nice to know that two people in the Vincent in the Williams household will be happy next week. <laughs> Let's see what yes, Mrs. Williams sir. says about, <laughs> about how 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 delighted Vince is to review the voice of Anika Noni Rose. <laughs> She's a wonderful once in a lifetime talent. Until next week, ladies and gentlemen, he's Vince. I'm Len. In parting, we say, we'll see you when it's time to meet again. And Robert Monroe, just for you, as we we head out, this one is for you. Just what?